Noel. We're just going to take a breath right now, Lord. We're just going to take a breath and say, please come into this place. And I just pray that you would fill this space with the peace of Christ, Lord, your peace. Thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. And you will never be dethroned. (laughs) And so, Lord, we just take a moment at this Christmas season to recognize you coming in the form of a little child. A child that was literally born to die. And, God, we just, we dwell on that. We humble ourselves at that. But you did it because of an immense love for us. And so we just say thank you. God, in our hearts, we say thank you, Lord. Today, as we talk about the good news and what that means in our lives, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, a light of fire in us, myself included, to be serious about sharing the good news. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ that all God's people said, amen. Well, good morning, Edinburgh. It is good to see you. Glad you could be here today. I also just want to say hello to anyone joining us online at this time as well. Good morning. Uh, or if you're watching this at a later time as well, that's okay too. Praying that God will use uh, this message to just spur on your hearts. Um, hey, if you don't know who I am, my name is Joshua. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And uh, I love my job. I love this church. I love being a part of, of building God's kingdom. And if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we're in a series called Peace on Earth. And I just got to make this plug. If you've missed the last two weeks, can I just encourage you? You need to go watch those. They're so good. Pastor Brent, thank you, man, for your teaching. Uh, Just spot on. And I just know that when you watch them, you'll do a lot of head nodding. And yes, it just strikes a nerve. Talking, He's talked about reconciliation, bringing peace on earth through reconciliation and through prayer. And there's excellent messages. Please go check those out if you haven't done that yet. Well, today I want to talk to you about peace through the good news, okay? So my goal this morning, I'm just going to be right up front with you guys, my goal is twofold, okay? My goal is number one, let, let's just come to a consensus to understand what is the good news, to so make crystal clear what is the good news, and then second, to answer the question, what are we supposed to do with it? What do we do about the good news? That's my goal today, okay? So let me just start by telling you about a contestant on a game show. You know, this contestant made it to the final round is the championship round and the, the the cheesy you know smiling game show host looked at the contestants and said, congratulations you've made it to the championship round all you have to do to win the grand prize is answer one final question and here's the question name two of santa's reindeer he was just thrilled he got this super easy question he's like yes i got this and he goes okay rudolph and Olive, and that kind of brought some murmurs from the, the audience, and, and the, the game show host looked confused, and he said, well, we'll accept Rudolph, but could you explain Olive? And the, 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 game, the contestant got a little nervous, and he said, well, you know, Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, he had a very shiny nose, and if you ever saw it, you would even say it glowed, Olive, the other reindeer. You know, that joke seemed like a really good idea at the beginning of the week. And so right now, I just, I'm just going to apologize on behalf of pastors everywhere that tell bad jokes. Okay, I'm sorry. That was agonizing. I, what it... <clears throat> but believe it or not, I actually have a point. 
<laughs> like, how do you make a point out of that? Here's my point. My point is, I think it can be amazing sometimes how ignorant people can be about what Christmas is really all about. I think even, even people might get things wrong about Santa and the reindeer, but that's not even really the Christmas story. People, I think, can be ignorant about the story of Jesus Christ coming to earth to save the world. I think there's people that don't have their facts right, and I think there's some people that don't even know that story. They don't even know the good news Christmas story. So again, my goal today is twofold. Number one, to just make sure we're on the same page as to what the good news is, and secondly, what are we supposed to do about it? So let's just start by figuring out where did this term good news come from? We actually see it peppered throughout the Bible. And especially at Christmas time, we find it in, in Luke 2. Here's what it says in Luke 2. It says, The angel said to them, now just to give you some context, okay, there were shepherds in the field. You've heard the story, right? You've, the shepherds in the, in the field. And an angel appears and says this, Don't be afraid. I bring you what? Good news. Good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Here's the short answer, friends. The short answer to what is the good news is this. The good news is the Christmas story. It's the story of the world waiting for and finally receiving the Savior. The Christmas story is the good news story. They're one and the same. Now, for a million dollars, which I can't really give you because I don't have it, do you know what the first line is in the Christmas story? In the beginning. All the way back to Genesis 1-1. It starts in the Garden of Eden. That's where the good news Christmas story begins. That's where it all starts. Now, the good news, however, begins with some bad news. We know the story. Adam and Eve, the first created humans by God himself, are raised up and they make a choice to turn their back on God and disobey God. And what happens is sin enters the world through that one choice. Friends, we don't have anyone to blame but us. Let's just make sure we're clear on that. Sin entered the world through the human heart. We made the wrong choice. And in that moment, what happened was our relationship with God was broken. But here's the best part. Even in the midst of the bad news, God says, I still got good news. Because God had a plan. Even from the very get-go, God says, I got a plan. Now, the next scene, I want to set this up for you. Picture this, okay? Right after Adam and Eve have just turned their back on God, I want you to picture this. We have a scene where God is talking to Adam and Eve and Satan. Okay, now it's like, that's kind of odd. Now Satan is, of course, he's the enemy of God. He craves God's power. He revels in sin and evil. He loves the fact that our relationship with God is broken. Satan, you know what? He wants to see God fail and evil prevail. Okay, but God says something to Satan in this moment at the very beginning that tells us, guess what? God's got a plan. So I want to read this for you. I want you to see this. Now you've got to picture this. This is God. You've got Adam and Eve and Satan there. And God is going to speak these words to Satan. Okay, listen to what he says. He says, now Satan, listen up. I will cause hostility between you and the woman. Between your offspring and her offspring. He, Eve's, Eve's offspring, will crush your head and you will strike his heel. 
Friends, this verse is a prophecy of Jesus Christ from the very beginning. God is telling Satan what is going to happen eventually. Satan was going to, and we know, we saw it happen. Jesus, Satan was going to strike Jesus on the cross. That's what he did. He struck him in the heel. But Jesus was going to crush Satan's head. He is going to crush evil from this world. Friends, that's what the cross is all about. That's what the cross is all about. So we see that from the very beginning, God has a plan to deal with evil. And guess what? It's part of the good news story. Now, God wasn't surprised that this happened, okay? He knew evil was going to happen. He knew our relationship was going to be broken. But even still, God has a good news plan. Now, as we march through time, God's plan unfolds, and we come to a man named Abraham, okay? And Abraham has faith in God. He follows God with a whole heart. And God says, Abraham, I'm going to use you. To, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow my plan to come to fruition through you. Here's what he says to Abraham. He says, Abraham, I love you. I'm going to make a promise with you. I'm going to make a covenant with you. He says, Abraham, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the, in the sky, excuse me, and as the sand on the seashore. Now, don't miss this next part. Through your offspring... All nations on earth will be blessed. God makes a promise to Abraham, letting him know that somewhere down the line, through one of his offspring, God was going to bless every nation and people group on the planet. That's part of the good news story. And as we continue down through the good news story, we see Abraham's descendants. Okay, they go through trials. They go through victories. They go through good times. They go through bad times. They go through highs and lows. Sometimes they majorly screw up. Sometimes they get it right. Yet God stays faithful and uses Abraham's family to unfold this perfect plan, this good news story. Now, at one point in the good news story, (laughs) you come to a book called Leviticus. Okay, and it has all these laws as to what you should and shouldn't do, especially when it comes to sacrifice. And in Leviticus, believe it or not, we actually get a little glimpse into what exactly God's plan is going to be. Now, let me just say this. If you've ever tried reading Leviticus, it's not a page turner. Okay, can we just, okay, God, I hope he doesn't strike me down. But... I get it. It's dry. It's hard to understand. In fact, if you've ever like tried to read through the Bible in a year, right? You get through Genesis, Exodus, and you get to Leviticus, and you're just like, I could quit, right? You're just like, forget it, right? But even in Leviticus, God's perfect plan is being played out, and I want you to see this. Okay, listen to this in Leviticus 22. When anyone brings from the herd or flock a fellowship offering to the Lord... Uh, to fulfill a special vow or as a free will offering, it must be without defect or blemish to be acceptable. Now, some of you just fell asleep right there, didn't you? Because you knew I was reading from Leviticus. Okay, just nudge them, wake them up. Okay, I get it. It's hard to understand. But listen, what I want you to notice in this verse as I read it is it says what? It says the offering must be perfect. In order to restore your relationship with God, that's what a fellowship offering was, by the way, you needed a sacrifice without blemish, without defect. Friends, this offering requirement, listen to me, was looking forward to the person of Jesus Christ. It's part of the good news story. The only perfect person who ever lived 
was Jesus Christ. He never sinned, and he was going to offer himself eventually as that perfect sacrifice. Jesus was born, I know it seems morbid, but it's true, to be a sacrifice. In the Old Testament, when a lamb was born, it was examined. Okay, Did it have any blemishes? Did it have straight legs or crooked legs? Okay, Did it have marks or flaws that would make it a not perfect sacrifice. If it didn't have those things, that lamb was set aside as a potential sacrifice. Friends, Jesus Christ was set aside because he was perfect. Jesus lived the life that none of us could live, a perfect life, so that he could die the death for our sins that we deserved. He took your place. It's part of the good news story. Fast forward through Abraham's family lineage, all the way to a guy named King David, okay? David is a man after God's own heart, and God comes to David and says, David, listen, I'm going to make you a promise. And he, he says this in 2 Samuel. He says, your house, David, your house, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. We see more of God's plan start to unfold. God is going to set up a perfect eternal kingdom, and the king that would set up and rule this kingdom would come from David's family lineage. Friends, again, the promise here is looking forward in time to the person of Jesus Christ. Because we know that David's kingdom wasn't perfect. He did a lot of things right, but he made a lot of mistakes. Him and his family. Family squabbles. And it got ugly, and it fell apart, but God was faithful. He said, I'm still going to use your family line, David. I love the reminder that Paul, this guy named Paul, wrote in 2 Timothy. Look at the reminder he says in 2 Timothy 2. He says, always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of who? King David. A descendant of King David was raised from the dead. This is the, oh, look, there it is. The good news I preach. It's part of the good news story. Friends, 2 Timothy's reminding us it all started way back, remember, with David. And eventually before that, all the way back with Abraham. It's all part of the good news story of what God is doing. Then we get to the book of Matthew, finally. And the book of Matthew starts with a genealogy. And I understand genealogies are not always super exciting to read. But could I just encourage you, read through Matthew chapter 1 sometime and you'll see this lineage that I'm talking about. And he gets to verse 17 and he says this. There were 14 generations from who? Abraham to David. Another 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, one of those low points. And yet another 14 from the Babylonian exile to who? To Jesus, to Christ. And then just a few verses later in Matthew 2, we read this. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. Jesus is born, okay? Bethlehem is where they said the Messiah would be born. Bethlehem is where Jesus is born. So throughout all history, people are looking forward to this moment when the hope of the world would arrive. The whole story leads up to this moment. Friends, this is the good news story. The promise given to Abraham And then to David is fulfilled when Jesus is born. The the fulfillment of the law and everything the prophets said is found fulfilled in Jesus Christ. 
That's the good news story. Friends, the good news is that he lived his life. Jesus lived his life. He gave his life so that we could have freedom from sin and our relationship with God could be restored, bringing what? Peace. Friend, you want peace on earth? It starts with Jesus Christ. Every time, though, and this is the sobering thing, every time you hear the Christmas story, the good news story, you also have to think about Easter. You do. You have to think about the cross because that's when he gave his life for us. The two always go together. And you're like, that's so morbid, Pastor Josh. Why in the world should we think about the cross at Christmas? Friends, because the cross is the representation of peace. It's how Jesus brought peace between us and God. That's the good news story. Now, we all know, we know what the good news is. We know what the good news is, and we're on this side of it, so we're like, we know Jesus has come. He's already risen. Okay, that's cool. That, okay, we know what the good news is, so now the question is this, what do I do with that? What do I do about it? Okay, now this is, if you're taking notes, I, this, I want you to write this down, because I think this is just so cool. Friends, listen. The good news is the Christmas story. What you do with it is your story. Can I say that again? The good news is the Christmas story, but what you do with it is your story. Okay? So for the rest of our time, I want to get very practical. Okay? I want to show you what we do with the good news. And we're going to take that example from a group that got it right at the very first Christmas. I want to talk about the shepherds because they got it right. Okay? So that, remember, the angel shows up, tells them, hey, I got good news for you. Okay? And they give us this great model to follow. Okay, here's what it says in Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 15. It says, the shepherds, just after they receive this message from an angel, whoa, they say this. They said, they said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. Friends, you know the first thing we got to do with the good news is? We need to do what the shepherds did. We need to come and see. Come and see it for yourself, okay? The shepherds experienced it for themselves. Friends, if you're going to enjoy the good news at Christmas, if you're going to grasp, okay, the good news message, we need to experience it for ourselves. I'm not talking about what happens at Christmas, okay? I'm not talking about trees and lights and presents. Those are all great. And all the kids right now are sweating. I'm not saying we get rid of those, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. But friends, that's not truly how you experience Christmas. Friends, you want to experience Christmas, you need to experience the good news story. I love what 2 Corinthians 5 says. Do you want to know what Christmas is about? I think 2 Corinthians 5 really sums it up. It says, God was in Christ. What was he doing? Making peace between the world and himself. In Christ, God did not hold the world guilty of sins. Do you know what that means? You're forgiven. <laughs> and he gave us this message of peace. Peace. You remember what I said at the beginning? All the way at the beginning, what was broken? Our relationship with God. Jesus came to bring peace. 
peace on earth. That's why he's called the Prince of Peace. He came to restore peace between us and God. So how do you accept that peace? Friends, can I just, it's so simple. You just accept it. You just accept it. You accept the fact that he's forgiven you. Okay, He's cleaned up the mess and accept that he has a new life for you. It's a gift. You can't buy this gift, then it wouldn't be a gift. Okay, You can't earn it, then it wouldn't be a gift. It's a gift because God wants to give it to you freely. All you have to do is reach out and accept it. That's it. So if you're not sure, friends, listen to me. If you're not sure if you've accepted that gift, the greatest thing you can do this Christmas is be sure. Be sure. You can do that right now. And I'm talking to you, if, if, you're, if you're feeling something, I'm talking to you, you can do that right now. And it's just by talking to God in prayer. In fact, right now in prayer. You don't have to even do it out loud. You can do it right in your mind. You can, just, you can pray something like this. Jesus Christ, you know what? I accept your gift of life. I receive it. I accept it. I accept your gift of forgiveness. I accept your gift of the good things you want to do in my life. I don't even understand all of it, God. I don't even get it all. But I trust in you because I, want, I believe you want the best for my life. It's that simple. You just accept it. Now, friends, can I just say, if, if in some cool moment you did pray that prayer for the first time today, you may have felt something emotional, you might not have, but you just gave yourself, in my opinion, the greatest Christmas gift imaginable because it's a present that will last all the way into eternity. It can never be taken away from you. It will never break or shatter. That's the first thing you do with the good news at Christmas time. You come and see you experience Jesus for yourself, and then you accept that gift. That's it. The second thing we learned from the shepherds, they come and see, but then what did they do? They go and tell. They go and tell. In fact, we sing that hymn at Christmas time, right? Go tell it on the mountain. Go tell. Once you have that gift, you don't hold it all for yourself. You let everybody else know about it. Now, let me just say, if you've ever tried to do this, it's not easy. I get it. It seems like it should be easy, but it's really difficult to do this. Anything important can be difficult, right? It's true. It can be uh, uh, practically difficult. It can be psychologically difficult. And it can be spiritually difficult. So let me, let's just talk about that for just a moment, okay? What are the barriers that we face to sharing the good news? Now, do you think the shepherds had the, didn't have the same problems that we did? They had practical challenges, okay? They had practical challenges. They looked around, they got the message, and they realized, whew, I smell like sheep poo. That's a problem, okay? And then, wait a minute, if we leave, who's going to take care of the sheep, okay? They had practical challenges. They had psychological challenges. They were thinking, okay, we're going to go and knock on these people's door and even wonder if they're even going to open the door. Okay, are they going to think we're weird? They had psychological challenges too. And they had spiritual challenges. Friends, these were shepherds, okay? <laughs> the lowest of the low on the social totem pole. They weren't rabbis or priests. They weren't even wise men. They were dirty, smelly shepherds. Would they get there and be told, I'm sorry, you can't come in because this is a holy place? They had spiritual challenges. But guess what? They broke every one of those barriers. And that's an encouragement to us today, friends. We have the same barriers today. Okay, we tell ourselves, they're probably not interested, so you know what, I'm just not going to say anything. I, 
I don't know enough, so I'm not going to tell people the good news. Well, I'm certainly not good enough, so I'm not going to tell people the good news. Friends, here's the deal. God is enough. God is enough. So even if you don't know enough, you don't think you're good enough, listen to me. God is enough. Go and tell. At Colossians 4, just, it spurs my heart, especially at this time of the year. He says, make the most. Make the most of your chances to tell others what? The good news. Make the most. So let me just give you, as I start to wrap this up, I just want to give you three inspirational, quick, strategic tips, uh, steps, if you want to call them, to go and tell. Okay, because I want you to be encouraged by this. And I'm with you. Listen to me. Okay, first one is this. First, see your importance. When you go and tell, please see your importance. Understand that you are an important part of God's story. The story is not done yet. You're a part of it. Yes, okay, God's story is huge, okay, but you're a part of it. There's only one you in the entire world, and you are going to have opportunities to share the good news that nobody else will. Look at what it says in Romans 10. It says, brothers and sisters, but how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? Friends, there are people you can tell that no one else will have the opportunity to tell. Sometimes we think, you know what, there's like several million other Christians in the world. Okay, somebody else will tell them. Friends, that totally discounts your unique role in this world and the fact that God wants to use you like nobody else. I know we can look at ourselves and be like, well, I'm no Billy Graham. I'm no Pastor Brent. You know what? Good. We already got one of them. And they're great. They are. I love them. But we need one of you. We need you. I will guarantee you. I can guarantee you. There are people that you can reach with the good news that Billy Graham couldn't reach, that Pastor Brent can't reach, and that I can't reach. Because of who you are connected to, but also because of the unique person you are. God wants to use you. You are more important than you give yourself credit for. See your importance in the good news story. Secondly, start where you are. Start right where you are. You don't wait. Don't wait. You break through the procrastination. You start where you are. I think we so often say to ourselves, you know what, I'm going to get to this someday. No. (laughs) Do it now. Think to yourself right now, right now, who's one person that you would like to see come to Christmas here at Edbrook next week because you know they're going to hear the good news. Think who, who who, Who popped in your head? This is what it says in 2 Corinthians. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead what? Come back to God. Come be restored in your relationship with God and you will feel peace. That's the good news story. God is inviting us back into a relationship with him through Jesus. And when you invite someone to Christmas here next week, can I just, I guarantee you, You are inviting them to hear that story and to hear about Jesus Christ. You start where you are. So we don't need to wait, okay? This is going to be the active part of the morning. 
Every one of us has a good news communication device probably on them right now. It's called your phone. In fact, I'm going to ask you right now to pull it out. I better see some movement. This is coming. Come on. Pull it out, okay? In fact, I want you to pull it out. And yes, I'm going to ask you to use your cell. I'm going to do this with you so you don't think I'm full hot air because I'm not going to ask you to do anything I'm not going to do. Okay? Now, what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to text someone right now. I sure am. I am 100% serious. Just say, okay, you can get on your phone and say, uh, my pastor just told me to pull out my phone. Okay, um, uh, we, he asked us, who do we want to see come to church? And I thought of you. So what do you think? You want to join me? In fact, I'm, just so you know, I'm not blowing smoke. I've got a draft. I've got, there they are. I'm going to send this text right now, okay, because I'm with you. I want you to text someone and invite them right now, okay? So I know at least two people were just invited to church here at Enbrook next week, Okay. Now, if you can't think of a name right now, here's what I want you to do. Would you text yourself a little reminder? At least you'll be typing, right, and you'll look spiritual. It's a good thing. So, so go ahead and do that, okay? Just text yourself a reminder. It's okay. And if you're really fast, like you're already done, okay, you're like, you can just say, and now I'm, now I'm checking out the scores in the game, and I just bought a purse on Amazon. This is awesome, you know, like, whatever, okay? Friends, see your importance, Start where you are. And the last thing, when you go and tell, just say what you know. Say what you know. You're not a professor teaching a class, okay? You're just a friend telling someone a story of the good news of what God has done in your life. Just saying what you know breaks through the barrier of thinking, I I don't know what to say. They might ask me a question that I don't know the answer to. Friends, that's like saying you got healed from cancer and then not telling anyone that you were healed because you don't know the medical terms for what the doctor did to you. That's silly. Of course you'd tell people that you were healed from cancer. Listen, just because you don't know it all, you haven't figured it all out theologically, neither have I, it doesn't mean that you can't share what God has done in your life. People will hear that. So let me give you a strategy right now, okay? If someone asks you a question and you're telling them the good news, here's a strategic way to handle, okay, that situation. You look at them and you say, I don't know. You say, I don't know. That's the best thing you can say in that situation if you get asked a question. Because when you say, I don't know, they realize that you're not a know-it-all, okay? Because really, who wants to talk to a know-it-all? Nobody. (laughs) I don't. Friends, I'd much rather have someone say to me, you know what, (laughs) that's a great question, and I'm struggling right along with you. I don't know it all either, but I do know that Jesus Christ loves me, he's forgiven me, and he's changed my life, and I just want you to experience the same thing. That's all I gotta say. So think, Think about inviting someone for a moment. Let's just, let's just wrap it up with this. Friends, listen, let's play this out. What's the best thing that could happen? And what's the worst thing that could happen? What's the worst? Okay, we'll start there. I invite someone to Christmas service next week, and they say no. Okay, maybe it's a little uncomfortable in the moment. Okay, maybe a little awkward. But you know what? I think, I think most people 
would appreciate the fact that you invited them, even if they can't come or if they don't want to come. At least you showed you cared enough to invite them. Okay, now what's the best that could happen? What's the best? They say yes, and they show up. And maybe, God willing, they come and discover a love in Jesus Christ that they've never heard of before, they've never experienced before. And they experience forgiveness, and they ask Christ into their lives to be made new. And what do they have? They have hope again. And then they start to grow, and then they share it with their family. And one by one, their family comes into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and their lives start to change, and they experience hope and love in their families. And the family is different. The trajectory of their future is different, all because you made one simple invitation. (laughs) That's the best that could happen, and all it takes is making an invite. Friends, I didn't make this up. Okay, this isn't, this isn't some fictional story. Okay, this isn't made up. It has taken place hundreds of times right here at Edinburgh. People are here today in this room. Do you know why? Because someone invited them to come and hear the good news. And God used that. Friends, listen to me. People aren't going to come to Edinburgh because the building looks interesting. People aren't going to come to Edinburgh because of the kiosk out front, because of the Christmas lights outside, the welcome flags by the entrance. They're going to come because someone invited them. It's just the best way. And friends, I can't think of any better time of the year to do it other than Christmas. Because we know people are somewhat receptive to being invited to church at Christmas time. So as I close, here's my action plan, okay? As I close, I want to talk to two groups of people in here. Okay, this is your action step for this week. Group number one, okay, you're the group that actually did just text somebody. Okay, now listen to me. Don't get complacent like you just checked it off your to-do list. You know, like, okay, picked up the milk, check, went to church, check, texted my friend, check. Okay, no, don't get complacent like you just got your to-do list done. There may be somebody else this week you could invite, okay? Keep looking for opportunities because I guarantee you God is going to put them in front of you. And now those of you who did not text somebody, group two, can I just say, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't worry if you couldn't think of anybody. Okay, I know sometimes you just get a mental block and your brain freezes, right? And then you're like, ah, you panic and you can't even remember your own name. Okay, remember, okay. It's okay. I get that. But don't give up. Seriously. Please consider texting someone, texting yourself a reminder, an email to yourself to be aware of the opportunities to invite someone to Christmas at Edinburgh. Friends, why? I don't don't care about the numbers. I'm setting this aside. I don't care about the numbers. What I care about is that we have an opportunity for someone to hear the message of Jesus Christ and their life is transformed forever. That's the power of an invite. I hope you'll join us in that. So friends, the good news is powerful. It's changed my life, and I believe the good news can change somebody else's life. And God is asking us, share the good news. Amen? You guys, I love you. Let me pray for us, and then I'll dismiss you.
Father God, thank you, thank you, thank you again that you are the Prince of Peace. Thank you that we can experience that peace in our own lives. <laughs> Father, there are so many people in our circles, circles of influence that we know could benefit from the good news story. And so we just want to pray for them. I pray for those texts that were sent out. I pray for texts that will go out later. I pray for conversations that we'll have with people later that you'd open those doors of opportunity and God, they would hear that and accept that invitation. And God, we're going to pray now and all week that you would use next Sunday and Monday to reach people for Jesus Christ and eternal destinies would be transformed. Trajectories of whole families would be changed. God, would you do that? Use this place, use this church to bring that about. Lord, we love you. We celebrate a baby born on Christmas who grew into a man who took the sin of the world because he loved us. Lord, we love you back. Help us to be obedient to you and follow you this week. We pray in the strong, strong name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. Guys, I love you. Have a great week. Take care. There'll be people up front to pray with you if you'd like prayer.